This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Have you ever noticed in the stories of the saints how many times their early days were an indication of the holy lives they would one day live? That's often the case, but you know there are probably as many who didn't start out that way. They weren't that holy or maybe that religious. But through the will of God in his master plan, that's how they ended up in his corner. I believe that's a pretty good indication of his master plan to make examples for us and to show us also what he expects from us. It's like a great test. He shows us what he wants, but how many of us are really listening? Trouble is, we don't always pay attention, or or maybe we do, but choose to ignore it. Today, I'd like to give you an example of this very same scenario. And to do so, we have to go back in history to the early 1500s, to the country known then as Navarre, which today is part of Spain. Our story concerns a young boy who was born on the 7th of April in 1506. His name was Francis, and he lived with his well-to-do family in a castle known as Castle Xavier. His father was an aide to the king and spent most of his time in the capital city of Pamplona. So, as you can imagine, his family was very well off. He had an older sister who was a nun and two older brothers, Juan and Miguel. Francis was like many other children. He found it difficult to sit still in church because his mind would wander to all the fun things he would rather be doing, like playing games and enjoying himself in non-religious activities. Well, it seems that Spain declared war on France, and Navarre was located right between the two countries, and so it was very likely that the Spanish army would march right through Navarre, and doing so would eventually take over the little country to become part of Spain, despite the wishes of the king of Navarre. Francis's father left to assist his king and was gone for almost two years while Navarre was overrun by the Spanish, as expected. When his father returned, it was evident that he was dying. Now, the king of Spain was furious because of the civil disobedience and troubles of Navarre and ordered all the castles in that country to be destroyed. Francis's mother implored the Spanish to spare the castle Xavier, but orders were orders. However, one of the officers took pity on her, and though the castle was to be destroyed as ordered, he left a small portion intact for her to live with her family. Now, Francis's two brothers fought in an underground war against the Spanish. But young Francis, who was now still in his pre-teen years, felt that this was a useless waste of time and resources. Well, the family survived, and when Francis was 15, a civil war broke out, and the underground or guerrilla forces sought to regain their freedom. The Spanish occupation forces were outnumbered by the underground and and probably would have surrendered to them had it not been for a dynamic Spanish officer 
named Ignatius Loyola, who rallied the Spanish to defend their occupation. Unfortunately, he was critically wounded, and his leg was crushed in battle. He was captured and then taken prisoner, but Spain could not let the guerrilla forces win and sent superior forces to crush the revolt. As time would pass, the Spanish king felt that too much money and effort was being spent in fighting in Navarre, so a peace arrangement was completed, and eventually Navarre became a part of Spain. Well, time passed, and young Francis matured into a strong, attractive young man who excelled in sports, and because of his easygoing, friendly personality, people liked him, and he was very popular. He felt that to succeed in the world, he he needed more education, and that could best be met by studying in Paris, which was the center of learning at that time. His mother agreed to finance his education with the proceeds from a small mill she owned. And so in September of 1525, Francis set out on foot, walking the 500 miles to Paris. That's right, walking. Times were different then. Paris, though the center of learning, was not the beauty it is today. Francis's desire was to attend the best university in Paris, which at that time was St. Barbara's College and the University of Paris, which was located in the Latin Quarter, so named because the students there would speak to each other in Latin. Well, wanting to make a good impression, Francis used some of the money he had to acquire beautiful clothes to make a good impression while wearing the traditional cap and gown of the day. He was assigned a roommate named Peter Fabre. The schooling soon took a distant second place to, to the enjoyment and freedom he found in Paris. Oh, he loved the street fairs, the carnivals, the parties more than his studies. He even told his roommate, Peter, to take more time off for partying and and having fun. Francis even became more involved in sports, becoming a champion high jumper. Oh, life was good. Life was fun. You could study at your own pace in those days and take your finals when you felt you were ready, unlike the schools of today. His good life even extended to tailored clothes, espousing his feelings that nobly born, one must nobly live. Well, you get the picture of Francis's life in the City of Lights. Francis's roommate, Peter, came from a poor family and worked hard at his studies, but he and Francis would surprisingly become good friends over time. At first, Francis, knowing Peter's poor background, looked down on him, but time would change that. Plus, there was the man with the donkey. This would change everything. This man, limping badly with a carriage full of books, pulled by a ragged donkey, would have a powerful impact not only on Peter and Francis that would last forever, but on the entire world. That man was a former soldier by the name of Ignatius Loyola. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Ignatius Loyola had been seriously wounded in Navarre, almost losing his leg, which required part of the bone being removed, leaving him with a bad limp. 
and during his recovery he asked for some books to read. Not religious, just books. Well, one of the books given him was a book titled The Life of Christ, which so moved him that he felt that that this was the leader of the army that he was to follow. And now here he was in Paris to study. Without funds, he lived in a poor house. Well, Peter Fabre was impressed with this Ignatius Loyola. Francis was not and would even go out of his way to ignore him. And then Francis learned that three of his classmates had become disciples of Ignatius Loyola and had even left their comfortable surroundings to live with him in the poorhouse. When learning of this, many of the other students were angry and marched on the poorhouse with clubs cursing Ignatius when they dragged the three students back to St. Barbara's against their will. Ignatius told some that as a soldier he learned the best defense was an offense, and so he was going to enter St. Barbara's College. The students there were outraged, and perhaps none more so than Francis, and to make matters worse, the headmaster assigned Ignatius to room with Peter and Francis. You see what I mean when I said earlier that God often works in strange and and wonderful ways to accomplish his will. Well, Ignatius would first tell Peter of his wounds at Navarre and wanting to read books to pass the time. He didn't want religious books, but that's what he got. And after finishing the book of the life of Christ, decided he didn't want to do battle for the Queen of Spain, but for the Queen of Heaven and to fight the good fight under the banner of Christ. And he described how he arose one night, and and kneeling down before a picture of the mother of God, he had vowed that from then on he would be devoted to her service. And when he was recovered from his injuries, he went out and saw a beggar and, and exchanged his noble clothes for the rags of the beggar, and sought out a cave where he would meditate and and write down the spiritual exercises on how to become a saint. Well, that was enough for Peter Fabre. He, too, would become a follower of Ignatius Loyola. Well, that was too much for Francis. He asked to be moved to a different room and made insulting jokes about Peter and this Ignatius Loyola. Well, time would pass, and Francis and Peter finished college. With his knowledge, Francis got a job teaching and was surprised at one time to learn later that Ignatius had sent some of his students to learn from Francis. Francis occasionally was in need of money and and was surprised when Ignatius came to his aid with a loan. Well, God keeps working his plan. Little by little, Francis would talk with Ignatius, and little by little, Francis's hostility was being replaced by, by respect and admiration. Peter would go home for a visit, and when he returned, he was shocked by what he heard. He couldn't believe his own ears, as Francis told him, through my talks with Ignatius, I came to ask myself this question. What would it profit me to gain the whole world if I lose my own soul? So I decided to save my soul by following Ignatius in the service of God. 
Well, Francis joined the group. He was the sixth man with the group, and each one was taught by Ignatius. His spiritual exercises, and, and, and then he learned more, and they were taught how they best could serve God by bringing more people to him. The little group decided that they would make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and, and walk where Christ had walked and where he had died. Well, Peter Fabre became a priest, and after Mass in August of 1534, on the Feast of the Assumption, the little group took vows of poverty, chastity, and a promise to visit the Holy Land. And later, the unbelievable actually happened. Francis of Xavier became a priest. God was winning. Ignatius would leave and return to Spain to try and raise the funds for the trip to the Holy Land, and the group agreed to meet one year later in Venice and, and on to the land of Christ. Their trials were many, and when they finally met in Venice, Francis and the others had worked among the lepers in several hospitals, doing the most menial and unpleasant tasks possible. But there were no ships leaving at that time, so the little group traveled to Rome, begging and sleeping in barns. But due to wars in the Holy Land, their pilgrimage was put off, but they decided that their little band should be should be the basis for a new group or order to be called the Society of Jesus. And Ignatius Loyola was elected their leader, and in 1540 the Pope gave his approval, and the new order would be often referred to as the Jesuits. Then word came from the ruler of Portugal that he would like them to send missionaries to India. There were so few of them there, but after much deliberation, it was agreed that the good fathers, now called uh, Francis Xavier and, and Father Rodriguez, would go on the trip. While packing only a small bag, his breviary and parts of the New Testament would be all that they would take on a journey halfway around the world. They would sail from Italy, leaving the Mediterranean, and then sailing around the entire continent of Africa and into the Indian Ocean to the countries so far away. It took a year to arrange. And Father Rodriguez was being called to work in Portugal, so only Father Xavier would go on a journey that would take about a year to reach his destination through unbelievable challenges like cholera, pirates, storms, diseases of every kind, so bad that four out of every ten people on the ship would die before they reached their destination. Francis Xavier was well aware of the dangers and would only say, we must trust in God. There are souls waiting at the end of this journey. God's son paid an even higher price for them. And so the ship left, traveling only about five miles per hour. Francis would spend his time praying, hearing confessions, and helping the sick on board. He would even give those who were more critical the comfort of his own bed, and, and he would sleep curled up around the anchor. On May the 6th in 1542, at the age of 36, Father Francis Xavier reached the shores of India, where his real story and history would be charted, as he was the first priest to come to the Portuguese outpost of Goa.
There were both Dominican and Franciscan monks serving in monasteries and churches, but there was a tremendous need for a spark to ignite the flames of love for Christ among the peasants, and that spark was to be Father Francis Xavier. On arriving in Goa, Francis took residence in a hospital where he slept on the floor so he would be available at a moment's notice whenever he would be needed. He spent a lot of time visiting men in prison as perhaps their only friend and taught them about God. In the afternoons, he would go door to door begging for money and food for the poor, and then he, then he heard of a colony of lepers confined to a prison and would go and offer mass there every Sunday. As he traveled and walked about doing God's work, he would ring a bell, and as he walked with the bell ringing, the children would run to him out of curiosity, and he would teach them about God. After three years with the bountiful harvest, he wrote the Jesuits in Rome requesting more priests and missionaries. The governor of Goa requested Father Xavier to work among the Parava people at the very tip of India. Previous missionaries had converted many, but they needed to learn their catechism, so Francis left in September for his missionary work among the Paravians and, and lived for three months in a cave while he taught the children catechism. While he was there, a pagan woman who was expecting a child was dying. Francis hurried to her bedside and told her about Christ and heaven. Well, she asked to be baptized, and after she received the sacrament, she recovered. As a result, everyone in the entire village was converted and baptized. He was to be constantly on the move as a missionary. He had to overcome the language barriers, so he would learn the most popular prayers in the various dialects to enable the people to be able to pray in their own language, and he would baptize thousands during his journeys through, uh, through Asia. It would be almost impossible to describe the hardships and disappointments he endured, but he never wavered from his task to bring God to the people. His travels took him through areas that were infested with poisonous snakes, tigers, leopards, and even crocodiles, but he would sleep alone at night beneath swaying palms, confident that God would protect him. According to one who traveled with him, only when he was exhausted would he take a few hours' rest. He was described as the Apostle of the Indies, where he would work in many islands and territories, teaching the word of Christ. When he had arrived, it was said that there were 10,000 Catholics in the area, and by the 1590s, there were 50,000 to 60,000 Catholics. In 1547, Francis met a man named Hanjuro from Japan who had been charged with murder and had fled the country. He had heard about Father Xavier and, and fled Japan to find him. He told Francis about his former life there and about the customs of the people of Japan, and, and Francis was eager to consider Japan as a new destination. But before going to Japan, Francis, accompanied by Anjuro, returned to India, where he spent the next 15 months with various missions, always busy spreading the word of God. 
He left Goa again in the spring of 1549, accompanied by Angerot and three other Jesuits. His future visits would include Japan, where Angerot helped him learn to teach prayers in Japanese. And also Angerot was acquitted of his crime and accompanied Francis on other visits in Japan, as well as a trip to China. Francis was the very first missionary to visit Japan. Francis worked for two years in Japan, in Hirado, Yamaguchi, and Bungo, where the numbers were not what we might call spectacular, but the ice was broken and his mission could be considered productive. He was not able to spend more time in China, but again, he was a pioneer and his work was of fundamental significance to Christians in the propagation of Christianity in the Orient, Japan. India and the Far East, which now has many Jesuit schools and institutions because of the untiring efforts of one man. There is so much more that could be said of this great and holy pioneer who by his life answers the question, what can one person do? I haven't touched on the miracles attributed to this holy pioneer, and I would encourage you to read more about his life that is far more interesting than any of the fiction available to us today. Francis Xavier died of fever on the 7th of April in 1506 at the age of just 46, and was beatified by Pope Paul V in 1619, and canonized a saint by Pope Gregory the 15th in 1622. When one thinks back on the early life of Francis Xavier and recalls how, when he went away to college in Paris, where studies became secondary to having fun, living the free and easy life, the importance of fine clothes to make a good appearance, and, and then meeting Ignatius Loyola, a brave soldier wounded in battle who found God, and then turning their lives around becoming soldiers of God, and they gave us the Jesuits and led so many to God. Well, maybe that's a good lesson for parents, that we try to lead, so important in today's world, the lives that our children will lead in the future, that they must be led to God. Francis and Xavier shows us that with God, nothing is impossible. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.